Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here. And so we're glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. I'm actually wrapping up a series that we started a few weeks ago called DNA. And we're looking at what makes us unique as a church. Uh, Just like no one here has the identical DNA, no church is identical. The reason is, is because the church is made up of a group of people. You're here, and because you're here, you're not anywhere else. And because you're not anywhere else, this makes this space with you in it unique. And that's what you find in a church. God brings a group of people from different walks of life, different backgrounds, different experiences, different gifts, different talents, and he brings them together for a season of time to build community. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing outside of the church that can replace the uniqueness that God does in it. It's actually remarkable. If you look around the room and you just see the differences of people here, it really is a remarkable thing. And so in this series, we're looking at how can God, in the middle of all of the things that we have going on, in the middle of even our own failings and our own sin, how does he still work? And how does he use us to be a part of the greatest mission that we've ever been given? So today we wrap up with that in mind. How do we continue to move forward to become the people that God wants us to be? So before we dig into that specifically, I just wanna highlight some things of where we've been so far in this series. And so uh, here's a series review, and I'm gonna show this uh, vision frame, which contains uh, the clarity of what makes us unique. Just like any creative picture or something, it needs to be in a frame so that you can see it. If something is creative but has no boundaries, there's no clarity. Uh, Boundaries or a frame provides clarity. Uh, It's the same for any church. It's the same for any organization, for any family. Uh, What defines you and what you're about really does help bring clarity. And so uh, we started talking about our mission as a church, and that is inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. This is the compass that guides us as a church. This is where we want to head. When all may seem lost, when we feel confused, where we don't know what to do, we know that our mission will always be to invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ, not in anywhere else, not through anyone else, but in him. And that's something that we always have to keep in mind. Our mission is to invite, to include, to extend those invitations to people. That was the first week of the series. The second week, uh, we talked about our values, what's important to us as we carry out this mission. And you'll see them up here. We're we're cohesive, we're a team. Uh, We're loyal and we trust each other. I think this is one of the most important values that we could have as a church. In a group where, or in a world where divisiveness reigns, where everyone looks out for themselves, the church has to say, you know, we're, we're gonna be loyal to each other. In fact, we're gonna trust each other, not because we're perfect, but because through Christ, we can have unity that's not found anywhere else outside of him. So as a church, this is really important. Proactive, we have a can-do attitude. When things begin to spiral, uh, we don't lose hope as a church. When things begin to not go as planned as a church, we don't lose hope because God will help us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's what we believe. Welcoming, uh, we want everyone, whether they've been here for a short time, a long time, to feel welcome and included in the life of our church. Uh, We wanna be a a circle where relationships can can grow, but not a circle that's closed, where it's continuing to include people and relationships can grow over time. Uh, Expansion, connected to that, we wanna invite people, that's part of our mission, but we always wanna be thinking, how can we grow to help more people discover their refreshing life in Christ? We don't wanna just stay the same, we don't wanna be stagnant, we wanna continue to grow. And then finally, what holds all these values together is we wanna be guided by scripture, We don't wanna come up with our own traditions, cultural traditions, whatever the world tells us we need to do. We need God's word to guide us. And his word is specific. 
and it's practical, and it's applicable, even right here and right now. It says at church, we have to, above all values, make sure that it's the scriptures through God leading us forward that we get our direction. So that's the first two weeks. The third week, uh, we looked at our strategy. And the question is, well, if this is true, our mission and our values, then what is it that we need to do to grow? That is, what's kind of this, this map? And we talked about the flashlight. This is where you move forward. It shines a light. And here you'll see our strategy map. If you wanna grow a part of this church or really any church, you really need to commit to these five things. If you feel lost, if you feel like, I don't know where I can plug in, I, I, I don't know how to get started, uh, just choose one of them. And as you choose one of them, God will begin to grow you. And it can begin with just doing what you're doing now. Decide to come and regularly attend a church. You can grow through the relationships of the church as you're a part of the relationships. It's very hard to grow if you're not there, right? Makes sense. So regularly attending makes a big deal. Investing, inviting, you can see it's connected to the expansion. It's connected to our mission. But the idea is I have a responsibility with my neighbors and my coworkers, and my family, and my friends that no one else does. And that is, I relate to them, I rub shoulders with them, and I need to invest and invite them. Investing, maybe, I can invite them over to my house, I connect with them, I can pray for them, and then I wanna invite them to church, look for opportunities to do that. The D is develop my life through learning. If we're guided by scripture, we need to make sure that each of us takes time to read scripture for ourselves. I don't know how many times I can spend so much time on my phone doing meaningless things and you feel empty because of it. You ever have that experience? Like, man, I just wasted a lot of time and it's so easy to do. But when you develop your life through learning, there's a commitment that you realize God's word can do in your life where you just have to spend time reading it and learning it and then putting it into practice. And as you do that, you actually really can grow. And so the commitment to training, the commitment to allowing God's word to speak to us, that's how we continue to grow in the Christian life. So that's the D. The G is to group with others. Community, people can know me and I can know them. There's something in a group that meets in midweek that's different than this group. This is a really big group. If I were to ask, hey, why don't you share what's going on in your life right now? Very few would. And even if you did, we wouldn't really get to know the whole group. It's too big. So when we group in smaller groups, we actually can grow our relationships. And that's really important to us because we want to know each other. We want to trust each other. And that cohesiveness, that loyal, it comes as we group and as we build relationships. And then finally, engage by serving. If you really want to make the most of a church, uh, begin to, to give to it. Give your time, give your resources, work. And as you do that work and as you serve, God does something. There's actually an investment that you have. Your, your heart's in it. And as you do that, you begin to grow. I feel like I just gave three sermons in one right there. You guys ready to go? You're like, let's go to lunch early. So that's our mission. That's our values. That's our strategy. Today, we're talking about our measures. The measures are probably, to me, the hardest thing uh, to define. And that's this question. When are we successful? During the week, I get so, so many questions from people that maybe family or people in the community or from other churches, and they ask a key question all the time. How's Ridgeview doing? That's a terrible question sometimes for me to answer. I have no idea. It's a very difficult question. But it, it, people are wanting to know, like, how, how's it going? What's happening with the lives of people? What's happening in the life of a church? And it's very hard to answer that in, like, a sentence. So most of the time I say, it's, it's going pretty good, <laughs> I think, right? But this is a very important question. When are we successful? In a church, 
uh, it's different than maybe a business. You know a business is successful from its bottom line, right? Like it's making money, maybe it's retaining customers, maybe it's getting some more of the market share. A church is not exactly the same. Because everything I've talked about so far, values and our mission and our strategy, those actually don't show up on Excel spreadsheets, right? It's hard to report those week after week, month after month. Now, there are certain metrics, but the measure of a church is something that's unique than anything else. Because what we're really asking is, how are the hearts of us? How are we doing? How are we growing? How are we maturing? How are we growing in faith? And that's a very difficult question. It's probably hard for you to answer that. It's hard for me to answer that. Collectively, it's difficult. And so what I wanna talk about today is how do we actually, as a church, with all the things in mind of our strategy and all the things in mind of our values and our mission, how do we really stay the course? And how do you stay the course? And how do I stay the course? So after we've been around Ridgeview for three months, have we grown? Have we been around this church for six months? Like, have we grown? If you're here for five years, after those five years, have you grown? And the question, those questions, my answer is, well, yes, I hope so. Because if we're here and we're doing all these things and we don't grow, it's a waste. Because it's in the middle of the ministry and it's in the middle of everything that God wants to do that he actually wants to shape us to become different type of people. Most of the time, we think that we have to do this external work, but what God wants to do is an internal work within us. So as you're part of the church, it's not just about chores. It's not just about attending groups. It's not about giving. It's not about sitting here listening to somebody like me speak. It's actually about your heart and how God wants to grow you and help you become more like him over time. And I take that very seriously as a church because I believe that we've been stewarded, you, a part of this church for a period of time, however long that is. Personally, I hope it's decades and decades and decades, but however long that is, to really stand before God and say, you know what, God, these are your people. And we wanted to help them grow. And Lord, in all humility, we pray that we were able to. And that's what we wanna stand before God, just God, these are your people, and we wanna help them grow with your help. So all that measures kind of fits uh, within that. So measures, let me define it, uh, is this, the attributes or characteristics in the life of the individual that reflect the accomplishment of the mission. So what are the things inside of us that can come out that actually show that maturity has happened? It's an important thing to understand, right? Do you wanna know whether you grow? I wanna know whether I grow, so that's what we're gonna talk about. Uh, the, the icon we're looking at is what? What is that? It's a target. What's the yellow? It's the bullseye. So the measures are, how do we stay on target as a church? If I were to ask you the question, do you think most churches stay on target or do they get off track? How, like, how would you answer that? Depends on the church, right? Not only does it depend on the church, it depends on the season for which you ask based on that church. But in our country and across the world, there are churches opening every day and there are churches closing every day. And the rate of new churches starting can't keep up with the rate of churches closing. I don't know if you knew that. There are more churches closing than we can start. 
So what's happening is, is we're starting new churches and Ridgeview is a part of that new church and that new work. There are more and more that are closing every day. And so the question of this measure is, how can we stay in the target to accomplish the mission? The mission never stops as long as we're on this earth. It goes on and on and on. It goes to our grandkids. It goes to their grandkids until Jesus returns. And so staying on target is very important because the mission can't stop. And it won't stop. And so we get to be a part of it. So let me start by just kind of unpacking the scriptures, talking about this this question. When are we successful? And I want to start with this point. Our ultimate measure is maturity in Christ and Christ-like character. So our, our ultimate measure, the target that we always have to look at is Christ. I don't know if you struggle with comparison. You know, that can be something we all struggle with. You see what's happening at people around you and you kind of wish that you were doing what they were doing, or you feel better about yourself because you're doing what they're not doing, and it's very easy to measure our lives based on others. And then you get on social media, and then you find all new people you never knew and all the things that you want that they have. Isn't that crazy? It's a portal to comparison, and you can get really sucked into it. But as a Christian, in the middle of that tension, our role is how can we continue to fight against comparing against each other, but to continue to look to Christ. That's who we want to be like. And the greatest thing about looking to Christ is not only is he our measure, but he's the one that helps us attain it. Most of the time in comparison, it's like, how can I move past these people to get to where they are? But with Christ, it's how can I join him and how will he help me to become like him? We join him. There's this cooperative work that happens as we mature in Christ. I want to share a scripture, and that's going to be like the main focus for today from the book of Colossians. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's written by Paul. I don't know if you're here most Sundays, but I talk a lot about Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If you know anything of the life of Paul, before he became a follower of Christ, he actually was a Jew of all Jews, trained as a Pharisee, and his role was to squash the Christian movement. He was a part of the persecution of the early church. So he knew a strategy not to help Christians grow, but how to actually prevent them and the movement from happening. What happened is God got a hold of his life and literally blinded him on the way to a city called Damascus. And on the way, God got his attention and said, why why are you persecuting me? And Paul didn't really know what to say because when God talks to you, What do you say? And long story short, through the narrative that happens that you find in the book of Acts, Paul was saved. And he realized the person that he was persecuted, the person that he was coming against is the person that he actually has to give his life to. And in this book that he's writing to the people of Colossae, this movement had started. He'd never been there himself, but there's somebody who committed his life to Christ, who heard his teaching, And this church was starting and these new Christians were beginning to live the Christian life. But what happened was, if you go back to that previous screen, I'm not gonna read that yet if you go back. But what what happened was, is this new church was starting and like many things that happened that are new in the work of Christ, false teachers came in. They saw this new group. They saw new opportunities to gain power. The wolves came in. Begin to see there's all sorts of people that we can kind of steer our way. We can gain influence. We can get them to do what we want them to do. 
And these false teachers were adding to the gospel of Christ. And to add to the gospel of Christ, most of the time means that you add there's some other work that you need to do other than the grace of Jesus. What makes Christianity different than any other movement or spiritual thing on this earth is that there's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. It's grace, which is literally unmerited favor from God. The reason we have unmerited favor is because something was done on our behalf, but we could not do it. And what was done on our behalf is what we celebrate in two weeks, and that's Jesus rising from the dead, crucified and then risen, paid for our sin because we couldn't. And that's what we celebrate. But these teachers were coming in and saying, actually, there's some other things that you can do. There's some other kind of works that you need to add to. There's some other hoops that you need to jump through. And Paul, knowing these Christians, as they're just getting started, beginning to try to learn what it means to follow Christ, he writes the book of Colossians. And so if you've never read the book, it's, it's really a, a great picture of how do you be a Christian that lives in the middle of people coming against you, in the middle of a culture that is painting a different picture of the life that you should live. And so that's the context for which Paul's writing, and I'm gonna read it. So this starts in verse nine, chapter one. And so, so from the day we heard, so from the day that we heard, a church has been started. From the day that we heard, there's a group of you singing and worshiping God and trying to live your life his way. He says these things. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You ever read one of those and you're like, could you pack any more words in a sentences there? It's like packed full and it's a prayer. And Paul is saying, this is my prayer. The way I read this in the context of what we're talking about, he's saying this is the measure of the type of people that we hope you become. This is the target that we hope that you, you point to. And so I wanna kind of draft and talk about uh, those different things. Uh, just unpack it really quickly. Here, here's what Paul hoped and prayed for. First, that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. If you want to know the knowledge of God's will, you have to read the scriptures. You can't snap your fingers and just ask for it. The knowledge of God's will is actually something that is searched for. It's a treasure. It's like a precious stone that you have to dig out of the earth. You have to search for it. But as you search for it, you can understand and know God's will. And you can understand and know God. Primarily, it happens as we seek his word. He guides us. So that was Paul's prayer and be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Then that they would grow in wisdom and understanding within God's will. So not just that they know it, but there's this wisdom that develops and an understanding. These aren't just little check boxes. These aren't just abstract ideas. I can build my life on the knowledge of his will. So this wisdom, it is knowledge that's lived out in daily life. And that's what Paul's prayer is. And then that they would please God in their Actions. So notice he's talking about the knowledge of God's will, the wisdom and understanding of God's will, and then notice how it translates into 
life. Action. So that they will live a life worthy of the calling. Very important. The Christian life, if you're always wanting to know the target, keep learning and keep doing. We talk about this a lot. Keep learning and keep doing. Those always go hand in hand. At the moment that you neglect one of those, you're really off balance. It's hard to grow. For instance, if you keep doing, but you're not learning, you make a lot of mistakes. This is what we call youth, right? There's no absence of zeal. I'm so fired up about something. And they just run into a wall. Whoa, (laughs) that was crazy. And it's fun like the first time, maybe. But then if you don't learn and you keep doing, you just keep smashing your head against the wall. You get disoriented in a lot of pain. And that just doesn't leave you. If you never learn, but you keep doing, you keep making mistakes over and over again. But it's never too late. And we want to be the kind of church that welcomes people that are tired of doing and not knowing. And then we want to help them know and then do differently. That's why we're here. But the opposite is also true. If you know but never do, you're also ineffective. That leads to arrogance. You just know a ton, but it's not actually in your life. And so somebody that tells you all that they know and you look at their life and it doesn't live it out, you tend to, maybe the first time you listen, maybe the second time. But then what do you do? You tune them out, right? Social media is filled with these type of people too. But also, it's not just you tune them out. You you start to avoid these type of people, right? Because they're just gonna tell me all the things they wanna tell me, but it's disconnected from their life. There's like no substance there. And so to be somebody that can actually help people and to be somebody that God can use, you have to keep learning and putting it into practice. So that's Paul's prayer. That's a key measure. And then that they would grow in their understanding of God's word. It shows up again. And that they would grow in their knowledge and experience of God's power. I love that. So knowledge and understanding, his word. Wisdom, his word. Then I'm putting it into practice and I see that it works. I actually have wisdom. I have understanding. I'm actually finding that I'm making progress in life. I'm not keep making the same mistakes over and over again. I don't know about you, but if our church is filled with those type of people, like, amen, right? Like, we've, we're growing. We still mess up. Maybe we still have foolishness that we have to deal with, but we're making progress. This is not perfection. It's, it's progress. But then he says something right here. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. So what Paul's saying is, is, as you learn God's word, and as you put it into practice, and as you see him come through based on what his word says, you have a supernatural power and confidence to trust God. Why? Because he gave you the help, and then it proved to be true. That's the experience. When you have experience of God coming through, nobody can take that from you. And so that's Paul's prayer. You know what? I don't think I could write a better prayer. In fact, I know that because that's God's word. This is the prayer that we need to read. And this is the measure and the bullseye of the type of church that we wanna be. God, may we know you and the knowledge of your will. May we understand and grow in wisdom. 
I know for myself, like the last couple of years, I just keep thinking like, it's crazy out there. You know how many times I say that in my house? You guys say that? Like, it's crazy. It's wild. Like we're in the wild west. That's what it feels like. The amount of change in such a short amount of time. It's like I blink. I'm like, how are we here? Who are we? What are we doing? And I can be so kind of overwhelmed by change. And a lot of times what it is, it's I don't know what to do. It's not just out there. It's in me, right? I don't know what to do. And so what Paul's saying was actually, what you need to do is not dependent on you and your own understanding. Walk with God, know him, he'll lead you. That's it. But there's so many things that vie for our attention. There's so many things that oftentimes we'd rather look to to help. But, but Paul's just saying, this is my prayer. This is where I want you to stay. This is where I want you to focus. And I want to focus on verse 10 to talk about practically what this means for our church. This is a very interesting phrase. All of this, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you want one phrase to signify the target of your life, the bullseye where you need to keep focusing, is that you'll stand before God when your life wraps up and he'll look at you and say, well done. You walked in a manner worthy of me. <laughs> Thank you, God, I tried. <laughs> amen and amen, and the angels rejoicing. Like, wouldn't that be the beautiful picture? But we forget about that because we're so inundated with here and now, we forget about this eternity and forever that we're walking towards. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that's the ultimate measure. And so I wanna talk about that a little bit. Worthy uh, literally means like a weight. It's like a value. And it's the idea of substance. When Paul says that my prayer is that you live in a manner worthy of the Lord, he's saying that I hope that through the knowledge of his will and the wisdom and the understanding and of you living it out, there's a substance to your life that has made you a different person. There's a quality to your life that's different. And for the church, there's a value to the community that cannot be found anywhere else. And there's a substance to the community that cannot be found anywhere else. And that, that's Paul's prayer. And that serves really as the markers for us. We wanna work, walk in a, in a way that's worthy. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna kind of target and funnel this into what this means for us as a church. Paul's prayer, and then how do we apply that to here and to now? And I'm gonna kind of summarize a lot of what we've talked about, but also some things that are really important to us as a church. So what I'm gonna do is summarize our own measures as a church, and then each of the measures will have like, I will aim, and so this idea of like, okay, this is the target, I'm gonna aim my life. And so just picture like, you're a dart. Everyone just, you know, and you're headed in a certain direction. And you just want to make sure you're going on that straight line. Because one degree of separation over a life is a big separation. But if you stay on target and you aim your life to the things that God says, you're gonna remain true and worthy of the manner that he's called you to. So for us as a church, we aim to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in how we, and here's our measures. The first, develop and grow. So this is, we wanna to continue to grow as a church. And what that means is all of us as individuals and as we get together in groups and as we talk in the community, we, we wanna make sure that we're continuing to look at God's word. So the aims is, I will aim to read the Bible and pray regularly. 
So if you read the Bible and pray regularly, you will grow. You, you can stay on target because God's word is a lamp and a light. It will show you the way forward. But part of developing and growing and growing in wisdom is the second aim. We need to seek wise counsel and advice. So when Paul is saying that you want grow in the, the knowledge and the wisdom of God, part of what he's understanding is part of how that wisdom grows in the context of church and community. And there's just things that you wanna do and there's things that I wanna do and there's desires that we have and there's maybe things that we've experienced or things that we don't understand that we can make decisions without counsel and without wisdom that could really be costly. And so part of how we develop and grow as a church and stay on target is we need to read the scriptures regularly as individuals. We need to get God's word in our life and we need to put it into practice. If you do that, you will grow. But the second is also important. I need to make sure that my life is open to receiving help and counsel and wisdom from others. If you're not sure that's valuable, read the book of Proverbs. Verse after verse are talking about the value of wisdom and the value of counsel. And from the multiple of counselors, actually, you'll succeed. And so part of our aim, again, that target that we wanna be at is I need to get God's word in my life. I need to spend time with it. If you're not sure what that looks like for you, we wanna help you. I say that a lot, right? But I mean it. If you don't know how to get God's word into your life and you, just, you don't know where to start, um, we have the information table. We have uh, different leaders that are back there and we wanna help you get God's word into your life. And so if you're not sure where to start, start there. If you don't do that and that will be a blessing. So develop and grow our measure. We wanna read the Bible and pray regularly and then we wanna seek wise counsel and advice. Uh, the second is we aim to walk in a manner worthy in how we relate. So part of the measure is not just what we're doing in our relationship with God. So develop and grow, a lot of times is like us and God. It's like this vertical, he's helping me. He's speaking to me through the scriptures. He's using other people uh, to help me. But ultimately, like I'm growing with him. He's, he's leading me forward. But then a key other measure is, is our relationships with each other. God's built that in. In fact, the first greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is to Love others. It's just like it. That's what Jesus said. So loving God, develop and grow. Reading God's word. And the number two is, is how we relate. And I just wanna give our aims. These are our heart attitudes. Anyone heard of the heart attitudes before? These are very important to us as a church. And you don't wanna hold on to anything else, okay? Do we have that up there we can, we can do? No worries if not. But here's the aims. And then when that gets up there, you'll be able to see it. Um, I will aim to, first is, put the goals and interests of others above our own. That's what love is. If you want to grow and stay on target, put people before you. You'll continue to deal with your own selfishness. And as you choose humility, you'll grow. You do that over a lifetime, you'll mature. So that's the first one. The second is live an honest, open life before others. And you'll see some scriptures. You can read these on your own. I encourage you to do that because those, those are really helpful. These are the summary of the one another's in scripture, how we're supposed to relate to one another. These are our measures. Well, if people are living an honest and open life before others, they're growing. 
It's not transparency, like where everyone knows every dirty secret you've had, but it's there's people that do know me and that my life on the inside matches the life on the outside. That's what integrity is. If you're that type of person that you don't play games with people, you let people in, you share a struggle with people that you trust, uh, you're gonna grow. And so putting the goals and interests of others above our own, that's love. Living an honest, open life, that's integrity. Those are key measures of the kind of community that we wanna be. The third is giving and receiving a scriptural a correction. And that's something that you don't hear a lot in church, but there's a lot of scriptures that talk about truthing in love and encouraging each other daily as long as it is called today. Well, that encouragement is literally like a spur. Anyone ever ridden a horse? It's California. People are like, what? I'm not sure what that is. It's like an animal. And you get them to go in direction through a spur, which is like usually on your little cowboy boot, and you just get that spur and put it in the side of the I actually act like I really know what I'm talking about. You guys didn't know. I grew up on a ranch. No, I didn't. Um, and you just put that spur in the side of the horse, and that spurs the horse. Like, okay, yeah, I'll go that way. Yep, sounds good. Well, we literally don't carry spurs and like, eh, glad you're here. You know, that doesn't go well in church. But what we do want to do is we want encouragement with an edge of challenge where we call people forward. And then further than that, there's just some times where we need to be corrected because we have a pattern of sin that we don't know and we can't see. Can we all get into sin and be blinded by it? Absolutely. Every single one of us. So giving and receiving scriptural correction is a commitment that we have. It's the target that we want to stay focused on. Like, God, help me to be open to people pointing out my blind spots, things I can't see. And God, help me be willing to do that to others. You may have been led to believe that church is supposed to be like a group of nice people, which is true, but actually, it's not about being nice. You know what nice means now? Everyone does whatever they want to do, and you smile about it. I'll be nice. They're being nice. Actually, it's fake. Truth is God's ways, according to his terms. And so we want to align with that, and we want to treat each other based on that. And so it's not about being nice. It's, it's actually about loving people as we move towards the truth together. And then the last measure of relating is to clear up relationships. I love how these are connected because there's times where you're giving and receiving correction that relationships really get messed up. People tell you something that tells you something. People tell you something that you don't want to hear, and you can get offended. I'm gonna be real. Have you ever been offended and you've held a grudge for a long time? It's easy to happen. Most of the time, we just don't wanna deal with it. So we just kinda lift up the carpet, brush it in, and some of the times, the church can be the most dysfunctional place because you have a bunch of people that have been hurt and they never deal with it. And it's a family the church family, but it starts to reflect your own family. Have you noticed how our own families can become dysfunctional as well? Why? Most of the time, it's a bunch of hurt people that never deal with anything. So as the church, we have a commitment. We, we want to deal with things as you've been hurt, as you've been offended, as you've sinned against somebody, and you've done something that you know is wrong. God said, oh, you shouldn't have said that. If you want to know if you're on target, say something that you shouldn't have said. Go to that person and ask for forgiveness. 
If you do that, you're maturing. That's a key measure. Am I willing to clean up a relationship when I mess up? So those are how we relate. So how we develop and grow, I get into God's word. I let it speak to me. I begin to put it into practice. And I further grow my relationship with God. Another measure is how we relate to each other. These four heart attitudes. If you commit to these heart attitudes, and this is what our members formally commit to a part of Ridgeview, if you commit to these, it's not perfection, but I'm gonna move in this direction. What you're actually doing is setting a culture of our church. We're not waiting to be served, we serve. We're not waiting for people to come to us, we go to them if something's messed up. If you make a commitment to this, we'll have a different culture here. So this this is very important. So that's how we relate. The third measure is how we team. And how we relate, it it builds the church in love, okay? It, It sets this environment and an atmosphere. But how we team actually sets kind of the right, Again, target that we're, that we're moving to, the way, the way that we function together. Um, I want to read Ephesians 4.16, but before I do that, I want to read Ephesians 4.15. And again, this is Paul. And he says, rather, speaking the truth in love opposed to being deceived by others. So he's saying, rather than being deceived by others in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love, and then we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So Paul uses the analogy of the body a lot. The body. And Christ is the head of the body. It's holding it together, literally. But that means that the people of the church are different parts of the body. And then Ephesians 4.16 says this. It says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The way it builds itself up in love is again, how we relate to each other, specifically those first hard attitudes, those first four. But then we have three more hard attitudes. There's seven total. The three others talk about how we, as every joint, fit together and equip together to, to do something, to accomplish the mission, to be a community, to not just sit, but to put it into to action. And so here's the aims for how we team. Uh, the first is, I will aim to participate in the ministry. That means I want to get involved and I want to serve. You see how all these fit together? If one of the ways that you serve or is one of the ways you grow is by serving, then one of the measures needs to be serving. Because if you grow by serving, that means that you're mature. I don't know if that even made any sense, what I just said. I started to say it and I was like, I don't know quite what I'm saying, but hopefully you get it. And if not, talk to me afterwards, I'll clarify. But participation is a key to growth. And so I'm going to get involved. I want to serve wherever that is. It could serve at a one-time event. I want to help with Easter. I want to serve on a team. I want to come early. I want to come, however that is, if, if you begin to do that over time, if you participate in the ministry, that's a key measure. If you want to know if somebody is mature in a church, see who serves. Take a step back. Just take a step back. See who does the work. Who do the work are most of the time the people that are more mature because they're participating. They're a part of things. Um, The next is support the work financially. If you want to know, if you're maturing as a Christian, give away some of your money. There is something about money. Jesus said it. Where your money is, your heart, your treasure, and it's all in one. If you really want to know what's important to people, see what they do with their treasure. So as a church, one of the things we do is we, we want to give it away. We want to give it to the Lord for his use. 
But as you grow and develop and as you mature, give more of your money away. That's a key measure of your growth. Support the work financially. And then the third is follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. That is, what do you do with spiritual authority? Well, to be this body that functions, it has to move in a direction. Christ is the head, ultimately. But what Christ does is use leaders in the church. And leaders in the church are leading in a direction. And so if you wanna know how you're growing, is how am I following spiritual authority? Now, there's times where you don't wanna follow authority. There seems like there's lots of examples of that. And there's times where you don't wanna follow spiritual authority if it's not biblical. But when it's biblical, and when a leader is leaning in a direction, if you wanna know whether you're mature or not, how do you follow them? Do you do it without grumbling? Do you do it with your whole heart? If you're younger, it's the same. How do you follow your parents? It's a key measure. How do you follow the, the people that are in authority uh, over you? And so here at the church, as people participate and as they support the work and as they follow spiritual leadership, that's the target that we wanna keep focused on. Is this making sense so far? So how do we walk in a manner worthy? Well, it's how we develop and grow with God. It's how we relate to each other. And then it's how we team. That is a culture that we have. We want people to join us in this culture, to be a part of the target that we're, that we're focused on. And then last but not least, and the final measure is how we expand. And all of these connect to each other. If we're not developing and growing, we don't want to export and expand because we're just reproducing something that's not healthy. But if we're developing and growing and we're relating and teaming in a certain way, we want to continue to reach more and more people because they'll develop and grow. They'll learn how to relate according to God's ways and they'll team together in the church and their life will change. So expansion of spiritual maturity is the thing that keeps us going. And you find this in Romans 10, 13 through 14. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I just wanna pause there. That is the gospel. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. What that means is I cannot live, live my life anymore by myself. I can't be independent from you. I can't get my value outside of you. I can't get my worth, I can't get my direction, I can't get my guidance. If you call on the name of the Lord and you ask him to lead your life, he will. He will save you from yourself. He will save you from your sin. He will save you from your darkness. He will save you from your past. But if you wanna know how we're growing and how we can measure is the next part. And it says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless what? Someone tells them. So another way to measure your own growth and our growth is are we telling people about Jesus? Like really? It's beyond we go to church. It's beyond even coming to Easter. We actually wanna tell people about Jesus. We wanna tell people about the good news that despite their sin, they can be saved as they look to God and as they accept the free gift of salvation found in Christ alone. This isn't on here, but Romans 10, 15 goes on. It says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I think I've shared this before. I don't like feet. Feet are not beautiful to me. But there's one type of feet that are beautiful. And that's the feet of those who go to others and share Jesus. That's the most beautiful feet in the world. And we are all those people who are sent. And so the target, that bullseye, it's not just how we develop and grow with God. It's not just me and God and that's it. It's how we relate to others as well. It's how we team in the church and build community. And then finally, it's how do we invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ? Each of you have people that God has placed in your life right now for which you could do that. And he's placed them in your life and not my life, not someone else's life. It's in your life. That includes your family, includes your friends. So this is the measure and this is the target that we wanna keep working to. So as I close, I'm gonna invite the band up. Uh, There's a few next steps that you can take. And these next steps are for you to not only learn, right, but to put it into action. And so the first is, is this, which aim do you need to focus on in the coming weeks? I think there was a, at least two for each one. So there's at least eight to 10 aims and even more than that that you could focus on. So out of all those, what is the one that you may need to focus on? Like that target where I need to get lined and aligned towards that. Um, I don't know what it is for you. I know, I know some things from myself, but what are some aims? Like, okay, if that's the measure of growing in the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of God and to walk in a manner worthy of him, what, what are some of those aims? So you might wanna ask that question, just ask God that. And then second, invite blank to Easter. If God has put somebody unique into your life and not everyone else's, who's that person? And so I encourage you, uh, if you're filling out that digital connection card and you've scanned that or you've downloaded the app, on your connection card, where it says comments or prayer requests, write the name of that person. And our prayer team will pray for every single person that you write this week. We wanna pray for these people that you're inviting to Easter. There's a lot of things that can happen to prevent people from coming to church. And so the church, we have to rise up and pray that the people invited will come. And so let us know who that person is. And then last but not least, uh, prayer walk uh, three times. Uh, before Easter, using the prayer card. Uh, there's a prayer card in your program. Could somebody, somebody have that and just hold it up? You might need your glasses on. The font is a little bit small on the back, but we wanted to have it in a size where you could just put it in your pocket, in your wallet, wherever you want it. And just this week, pray through these things. And next week, pray through these things and just make a commitment. Like, I'm gonna pray in my neighborhood. I'm gonna pray at the park. I'm gonna pray, you could come here and pray over Jesse Turner, wherever you want, but just pray over, over these things. The key measure is, is what do we pray for? What, what's important to us? And so we, we invite you uh, to do that. So what I wanna do is, is I wanna just pray Colossians 1, 9 through 11, over us as a church. So would you close your eyes and let's pray. God, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray, asking that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We wanna walk in a way 
in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you. God, will you help us bear fruit in every good work as we increase in the knowledge of God? God, will you strengthen us with your supernatural power according to your glorious might? And God, will you grow in us endurance and patience with joy? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.